Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. I'm Mike Pratt, and today I am joined by no one. Sadly, I am without any of my wonderful co-hosts today. We're going it solo, and I did brainstorm a couple of great names for this type of podcast, such as a gel mop, Mike only podcast, a gel bop, gel but only prats, whatever it is, I'm solo today, but we're going to make it through because we have a really interesting article. And although we usually do a case, we're going to get into the case a little bit later in the podcast. So today's article is titled Artificial Intelligence versus Pocus Expert, a validation study of three automatic AI-based real-time hemodynamic echocardiographic assessment tools. This was published in the Journal of Clinical Medicine, February 2023. It was based out of Israel. Now, in honor of our AI podcast, which we have discussed on gel before, but we haven't really talked too much about the evidence for any of these hemodynamic studies. In honor of this occasion, I actually had some AI help in writing an introduction. So this is what ChatGPT came up with. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the forefront of modern medical imaging, where technology meets the art of diagnosis. This is Echo AI, Unveiling the Future, your premier podcast exploring the groundbreaking synergy between artificial intelligence and diagnostic sonography. I'm your host, Mike Pratt, and I invite you on a thrilling journey into the world of ultrasound, where innovation and intelligence converge. Upbeat music fades in. Picture this, a world where machines possess the ability to unlock hidden insights within ultrasound images, assisting medical professionals in delivering accurate and timely diagnoses. The field of diagnostic sonography has always been instrumental in revolutionizing healthcare, providing non-invasive imaging techniques that empower doctors to uncover a wealth of information about the human body. But what if we told you that these incredible imaging capabilities could be enhanced even further? What if we could harness the power of artificial intelligence, enabling ultrasound machines to go beyond their traditional boundaries and assist radiologists and clinicians in unprecedented ways. Musical transition. Join us as we journey into the heart of this transformative technology, great pun, discovering the challenges and triumphs that lie ahead. We'll explore the ethical implications and address concerns surrounding privacy, data security, and the role of human expertise in an AI-driven diagnostic landscape. We will not discuss those things. So whether you're a healthcare professional seeking to stay on the cutting edge of medical imaging, a technologist fascinated by the intersection of AI and healthcare, or simply curious about the future of ultrasound, this podcast is for you. Together, we'll unravel the possibilities, embrace the potential, and uncover the remarkable impact of artificial intelligence on the world of diagnostic sonography. Welcome to Echo AI Unveiling the Future. Let's embark on this extraordinary journey together. That was actually pretty good. Thanks for bearing with me. It was longer than I thought. Although ChatGPT did a pretty solid job of introducing what we're going to talk about, let me just fill you in on a little more detail. So we know that AI is in ultrasound, and a lot of our machines that are out there now already come with these smart AI calculations, such as looking at things like an ejection fraction or an IVC collapsibility, and I have a feeling that they're just going to become more and more ubiquitous. But what we don't 
know is how accurate these are. I mean, I think we're all assuming that the industry probably did some sort of testing, but we don't actually know a lot about how this correlates with actual practice or experts looking at some of these measurements. That's the whole point of this study is that they wanted to take these AI calculations for specifically hemodynamic measurements and see how it stood up when you compare it to experts who are doing the same measurements. Now, remember, one important caveat that we'll bring up, this is just one company's machine that they're testing. They're only going to be looking at one. But nevertheless, I think it will be interesting to see how well this AI performs. And now we get into our case, except our case is actually not a case, but a case series. And it's actually not really a case series, but pretty much a full-blown article that is disguised as a letter to the editor. And because of that, I didn't do a full podcast on it, but I think it's still relevant data. And this was titled, Smartphone-Based Automatic Assessment of Left Ventricular Ejection Fraction with a Silicon Chip Ultrasound Probe, a Prospective Comparison Study in Critically Ill patients. This is fascinating, and it was a really nicely done study, especially for one that was slipped in as a letter to the editor. But what they did, these authors from Portugal, they describe using their handheld device, a butterfly IQ in this case, in the ICU on hemodynamically stable patients. And they compared the automatic LVEF, and they compared that to their expert using a cart-based machine with manual tracing of the endocardial borders, and they actually got 95 ICU patients. So their main outcome was the correlation between the two, and they found a correlation of 0.75, which is a really significant correlation. And they also had good intraclass correlations. When they were looking how different were the EF measurements, they found a average of 0%, which I find kind of misleading because they added together positive and negative results. So that's how they ended up with zero. So it ranged from like negative 17% off to positive 16% off, which is still impressive. Overall, they found 70% sensitive and 89% specific for systolic dysfunction. Pretty good. So that is our case series to wet our whistles for this main article, which is very similar. Now, this main article, again, we're now testing three different things. We're going to look at the IVC, we're going to look at the EF, and we're going to look at the LVOTVTI. Don't worry, if you don't know what that is, I will explain it soon. The question they were asking is how well do these AI tools for those three things compare to hand-measured values from a POCUS expert? The secondary question is how does the AI tool for quality assessment compare to the quality assessments by an expert? Because embedded in these AI instruments is a measure of how good the images for making this calculation. So they're going to take that and compare it to the quality assessment by an actual person. The population for this study was patients on an internal medicine ward at a single center in Israel. They included patients that were admitted to the floor and they excluded people who could not get an echo, which included the contraindication for patient discomfort, or anybody that did not consent. Importantly, they also excluded poor quality clips that may be relevant. Now I have to note here when we get to design that this was a funded study. It was funded by General Electric and you may have guessed that yes, they were using General Electric machines. And maybe that's okay. I just want to bring it up to you. The ultrasound that they use in particular was the GE Venue Go. And I'll include a link if you're interested to that. 
the way to think about this study is it was actually kind of like three separate studies and they just put it all together. Each one of these things that they were looking at, the IVC, the LVOT, and the EF, could have been its own independent study and they're reporting all of the results together. So these patients came in, the views were acquired by a POCUS operator. They were scored by both the AI tool on the machine and the operator. The score was the quality assessment. So the AI score meant that they were assigning it either red, which is bad, yellow, which is moderate, or green, which is good, based on the quality and the ability to identify what they needed to to make this calculation. The operator score was very similar that they were comparing it to. They used a scale of zero to two, and that was zero. I can't comment on it. It's too bad. Remember, those were excluded. One, images were not great, but enough that I could calculate, and two, images were good. The operator was blinded to that AI score. So for the EF, the operator would estimate the EF visually, so they did not actually do any manual tracing as in the case study that we discussed. In this case, visually estimating it as either normal EF, mildly reduced, or reduced less than 40%. And for the IVC, I will just note here that it is not clear why, but the operators evaluated the IVC post hoc, like not real time on a patient. They looked at the clips afterwards, and perhaps that's because they did it in the optimal way, which is going back through the clips, finding where it's collapsing, measuring it at the particular spots where it's largest and smallest over time. And that's actually a lot better than using M mode or something like that. The gist of this study is that patients came in, they got one of those measurements assessed by the artificial intelligence in this machine, and then they had an operator do the same thing, and they compared those, and they also compared their quality assessments. So the primary outcome was the agreement on those ultrasound calculations between the machine and the expert operator measured with the Cohen's Kappa test. And the agreement on quality was their secondary outcome, and that was measured with the Fisher's exact test. Who was doing these ultrasounds? Internal medicine attending with eight years of POCUS experience certified by the American National Board of Echocardiography. Pretty experienced. The scan... Well, there's a lot to discuss with all three of these views, but they did use a phased array probe for all of them, and they were using an EF calculated off the apical four-chamber view. The IVC view was measured in long axis, two centimeters from the right atrial junction, and in order to get the LVOT VTI, they had to get an apical five-chamber view. Since I promised you I'd mention this later, the LVOT VTI stands for Left Ventricular Outflow Tracked Velocity Time Integral, and if you remember your calculus, all we're doing here is taking a waveform of the blood that is blasting out of the left ventricle into the aorta, and we're trying to turn that velocity into a volume so you can get an idea of how much blood is being pumped out. This has been posited in the past as a way to calculate the cardiac output non-invasively. So this is not a new thing in itself, and it's often reported and has also been discussed in the point-of-care world. So let's get into the results. For all three studies, over 60% of the patients were male. The mean age was between 50 and 60 for these three different things. So let's start with the EF. They had 132 clips from 44 patients. I have no clue how they got 132 clips from these patients. Maybe three images per patient. It was a little bit tricky to figure out some of this. Of those patients, 19.7% had a reduced EF. So the primary outcome, the correlation, the kappa was 0.498. You know what? I'm just going to round that up to 0.5. So that's moderate agreement. And of note, there was not agreement for the lower quality clips. Regarding the quality 
assessment, there was agreement between the AI quality and the operator's quality. Part two, the IVC. Now we have 46 clips. Kappa of agreement is 0.38. Not as good. And again, this one is improved if you were looking at the higher quality clip. So similar pattern that we saw with the EF, when you're looking at better quality images, there's a better correlation. There was also agreement with the quality measurement for this one. Last but not least, and get ready for a little curveball here, the LVOT VTI. Now we had 114 clips from 32 patients and the Kappa here was 0.825. Kind of surprising. It was actually the highest of all. Here's the kind of inexplicable part, but it decreased its agreement in the high quality group. It was better in the moderate quality. So what I'm saying is when the images were better, it had less agreement, a little puzzling. And for this one, as opposed to the other aspects of the study, there was not agreement in the quality measurement with the LVOT VTI and the operator. And maybe that explains a little bit about some of those confusing quality assessments. So that was a lot to go through. Let me summarize a little bit. Moderate agreement with EF low to moderate agreement with the IVC, high agreement with LVOT, VTI, and in general, it looks like better quality has better correlation. So the strengths of this study is that this was prospective on actual patients. They reported on multiple cardiac AI tools, although they were all analyzed separately, and they included an assessment of image quality, which I think is really important. There were some limitations I gotta bring up. So this was a single, very experienced operator who was certified in ECHO and probably had a little more experience than the average POCUS user. In addition, this operator was rating the quality of their own exams, and that can be a little biased. This was a single manufacturer's device. I mentioned that earlier, but remember that each manufacturer could use entirely different technology and calculations, so we shouldn't assume that this is representative of all AI from all machines. This is just kind of an interesting data point as we explore this technology. Furthermore, this study was funded by the manufacturer, so we always have to be a little bit wary. Keep in mind that the poorest quality images were excluded. And that's important because as we go forward with this technology, it is going to become relevant whether or not the POCUS users themselves have to discern whether the quality is adequate enough to trust these calculations or whether they can rely on the AI to decide if the quality is good or bad. Because as we know, early on, you may not be the best judge of whether your images are good or bad. So we have to figure that out before we can start to trust this in other users. Lastly, we should touch on that there is not a lot of pathology. There wasn't enough to be super confident that we could diagnose all these things. Like for example, in the EF group, there was 19.7% had a below normal EF, but really only 3%, which was two patients, had a severely depressed EF. And for the IVC, we don't really know the spread of normal versus abnormal, but the mean collapsibility index was 0.3, which is fairly normal. And for the VTI, the means of the VTI were also in the normal range. So this was not super representative of a lot of the pathology. So that's a little bit of a limitation in understanding how to apply this to populations where you mainly care about finding pathology. To bring it all together, I think that AI is here right now and you are going to need to decide how to safely incorporate that into your own practice. If you don't have it right now, that's okay. Maybe you will in the near future. It's probably a good idea to decide beforehand. Are you going to trust it in your own practice? Are you going to allow your 
learners to trust it? If you're an educator, are you going to start teaching it? It all starts with understanding how good this tool is. And that's what I like about this paper, starting to lay the foundation for our understanding. To summarize, this is a prospective single center study of one manufacturer's ultrasound AI technology for hemodynamic calculations. In populations of less than 50 patients per arm, the AI calculations for EF were moderate, IVC fair, and LVOT VTI were high. For EF and IVC, the high quality images had stronger agreements. For the EF and the IVC, the high quality images had a stronger agreement. And for the EF and IVC, there was a significant agreement in terms of the quality assessments. Take home points. On this particular device, the AI calculations for EF, IVC, and LVOT VTI correlated well with an expert operator in a population of patients with a low prevalence of pathology. Generally, they found that higher quality images had a better correlation, and I think you should still be judicious in your reliance upon this technology at this time. Thanks to the authors for putting together this wonderful study, and thank you, listener. I really do appreciate you tuning in. If you want to find out more, you can go to ultrasoundgel.com org and until then we will talk to you later more pressure more gel more pressure more gel mike alone and sad podcast which we could call moss gel